So, Kat, thanks for coming on to the Nerd Yogi podcast. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. And uh, to talk about the almighty, most important muscle in our body, which is totally underrated and so not known by most people, uh, the psoas. You're listening to the Nerd Yogi podcast. Sharing natural ways to boost your well-being with a sprinkle of mystic and the big coating of science. And I'm your host, Virginie Ferguson, founder and yoga teacher at clanyogis.com. Also mother of two, science nerd and positivity advocate. I hail people who always thought we could never do yoga, level up on their health and well-being using yogic tools backed by science. Um, but before we start, I thought we could do a quick intro where you could introduce yourself to the listeners and your story because that's your story really that brought you to yoga and brought us together because we trained together for our first um, yoga teacher training. We, we did this together, so we met about two years ago. And, um, now I remember actually it was just like, to me, your story was just mind blowing because we got there on the first day and we all introduced ourselves and, you know, our background story, what brought us to yoga. And your story was just like, I thought, oh, wow, that just blew me away and quite uh, shocking actually as well. And the psoas is not a muscle that, well, I knew about the muscle, but it's, I never heard of it in that thing before. So, right, let's cut the mystery out and then go for it. <laughs> Still, it's <Yeah>. your story. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like you say, I was not always into yoga. Um, uh, certainly not. In fact, I was, I was quite the opposite. I was a, a, well, was a PE teacher to begin with. I was always into intense, crazy sports. The more intense, the better. Marathon runner, triathlete, netball player, um, and then became a fitness instructor and was one of these horrible, crazy fitness instructors who loved to do three spin classes a day and two body pump and then finish in the gym and thought that was healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and did that most of my twenties. Um, and, and used to walk past people in the yoga studio and kind of scoff as if, you know, they think that's exercise. Uh, <laughs> so did I. I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> I was the same. Yeah. And they used to think that that looks dead easy or, you know, they think they're doing themselves, you know, they should be in here doing spin um, and just incredibly judgmental um, how these things come back to bite us. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you say, uh, I guess my my love affair with the psoas muscle started when I was um, when I was 30. Um, so maybe 10 years ago now. And um, yeah, so I, I, I came home from the gym one night and I'd, I'd had one of my crazy sessions where I played in a couple of spin classes and a body pump and I cycled to and from the gym, you know. And I, I got home from the gym and I was living in London at the time and I went into my flat and um, I just realised that I felt incredibly dizzy um, and I just thought, gosh, I've probably overdone it. <laughs> um, and I thought, well, then I just need to eat something. So I remember going into the kitchen in the flat and starting to cook um, some dinner and just thinking something does not feel good at all, something's not right here. 
Um, and then I, I crouched down to get something out of a cupboard. And then I reached up to get something out of the top cupboard. And as I reached up, it's very difficult to explain exactly what happened. There wasn't a pain as such, but my whole, it felt like my whole nervous system just went on fire. So I, my heart started to just pound and I got a tightness in my left arm. I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, my whole, yeah, I can't really even explain it. Um, but I, I was also panicking, uh, obviously with all these symptoms. So I thought something really terrible was happening. So I actually ran out of my flat and ran down the stairs and grabbed this, um, this guy on the street. I, I actually I don't, never know, knew who he was. I wish I could almost meet him and apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I just grabbed this guy on the street and said, you know, um, I'm, I'm phone an ambulance. I'm about to die. And I, um, and I just lay down on the on the pavement, and I didn't I didn't lose consciousness, but I'm not very aware of what happened. But the next thing I remember was an ambulance being there, and a friend of mine who lived across the road he turned up, and yeah, I got in the ambulance. They hooked me up and they took me into hospital and they gave me all these tests and of course I'm thinking the absolute worst. Um, and after hours and hours of tests, they came back and they said, uh, Miss Lanigan, you are a picture of health. Your ECG is perfect. Your blood pressure is perfect. You know, your, your weight, everything we have tested is textbook. In fact, the doctor said to me, um, I wish I had your health. <laughs> Which, uh, in one sense is lovely because nobody wants bad news. You don't want to hear that you've got some terrible condition. <laughs> But also, in a weird way, it was probably the worst news because I was like, well, that can't be true because mm-hmm. this horrendous thing has happened. And, and then, and the doctor said, you know, it's probably, it's probably a panic attack. It's probably stress. Um, now I'd suffered previously with, with panic attacks. Um, and had become very aware of how to manage and had completely changed my lifestyles. When I was in London, I, you know, I wasn't a, a PE teacher. I, I'd come out with teaching to try and reduce stress. And, and and I, I said to him, I, I hear what you're saying, but this was like no other panic attack I've ever mm-hmm. heard. This wasn't just a panic attack, there was something else going on here. Um, so that was the first time it happened and, and went home. And obviously psychologically, there was quite a lot of um, stuff to recover from because it was, it was an incredibly traumatic experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then over the course of six months, very similar episodes, happened every three days where I would end up back in any back in hospital. Um, same thing, ECG, all the tests, misliding your picture of health. Stopped calling ambulances in Amy at some point. But yeah, that six months was pretty horrendous. I mm-hmm. didn't work. I had a real literal pain in my neck between my shoulders up. I felt like I couldn't hold my neck up. And this was the other thing that was gonna get into me because everyone was in distress. And I'm like, okay, fine, but I, I can't, you know, I, I can't hold my head up. Yeah, like got that's, physical that's, symptoms. That's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had pain in my back. I had pain in my my lower back. Um, I, I couldn't feel my gut. It was very numb. Um, really struggled to digest food. So there's a lot of things going on, and and really, for me, that's that was my rock bottom in life. You know, that that those six months were just absolute hell on earth. Absolute hell on earth. No one able to give you answers. 
they had no idea where to turn to. I think they always think mm-hmm. people to doctors will get fixed and the doctors know everything. And it was a realisation for me that the doctors don't know everything, you know, how yeah. they possibly the human body is so complex. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um I realised quite quickly in that six months that if I wanted to fix or heal or get better, then I was gonna have to take my my own responsibility for my health and I I started to read books, I started to look at alternative therapies like acupuncture and gosh, you name it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried it at that time, you know, um healing retreats, reiki, you name it. I, I tried it to try and get to the bottom of what it was. But the one thing that kept coming back during all my reading was this psoas muscle. And and you know, much like you and m- most people who are listening to this will go, What? What muscle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and it's the psoas muscle. And I talk about it as if it's singular, but we do actually have two. In fact, some people have even got four. And um, I'll go into that in a minute. Um, but um, I'd never heard of it. And here I had been a PE teacher for years. I'd been a personal trainer and a fitness instructor for years. And I'd never come across this muscle. Mm-hmm. So I started to dig a little bit deeper, do a little bit more reading on it. And the more I read about it and how complex it is, the more I was like, this is all ringing true to my symptoms. Like mm-hmm. everything I was reading, everything that I was feeling, I was, I felt I was finally getting answers. And that's really where that love affair started. Um, yeah, I started to, um, I went over to America when I was better and I met one of the guys who, uh, he called God, uh, Jonathan Fitzgordon and he has a lot of work on the SOAS and I met mm-hmm. with him. Um, I went on a workshop with Liz Koch, who is another mm-hmm. guru of the SOAS. I know you've recently been on her, her workshops as well. Um, and I just met with these people who knew what they were talking about when it came to SOAS. Yeah. And the majority of people I met and who I said, I think this is what's going on, they were like, yeah, this, this totally sounds it. And I just couldn't believe that something as something that nobody knows anything about, none of the doctors spoke about it, very few people know about it, could have such a huge impact on someone's health. Mm-hmm. And although mine was very extreme, I started to think, well, how many other people have got these yeah. symptoms or similar symptoms and they have no answer for it? And yeah, no knowing where I might come from or what was the source of it and then just, yeah, feeling lost and, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah. Kind of lack of trust as well, or just disbelief, I guess, like you did, you know, well, the doctors should know, why do they not know? It's, uh, yeah. it's, yeah. it's a hard thing to, to take. Yeah. So I think just before we carry on, I thought maybe be good to kind of explain anatomically uh, what is SOAS, where is SOAS, because yeah. that's obviously very, very important and it holds a clue to a lot of the things that might go on. So psoas yeah. muscle is the very important hip flexor. So that means when you're walking, well, it's the movement that just bring your knee towards your chest, basically. So when you lift your leg to walk, to run, to kick, and I think that's a good one to mention as well because and probably one we're going to go into later in the fight or flight uh, response. So, yeah, it's responsible to bring the knee towards the chest. So it attaches to the front of your thigh bone. And it runs, it's got two heads actually. So one attaches into the inside of the hip bone and the other one just goes all the way up. It attaches, well, to many different places actually, but pretty much, well, all of your vertebrae in your lumbar spine. So in your low back. So lumbar one to lumbar five vertebrae and also your last 
floating ribs, so the 12 ribs. So you can see already the connection here with, obviously, low back, breathing, and it also shares ligaments with the diaphragm muscle, which obviously we can't breathe the wet. <laughs> and I believe also shares ligaments uh, with the kidneys and, and all the organs as well. Also, it's, it's one of those muscles that we just... Like, like you're saying, you know, we, so many people don't know about this muscle and we, we are not aware of it. It's obviously the muscle that makes us walk, run things that we do all the time, but stabilizes the spine. So as we stand up, that muscle is contracting. As you and I are talking just now, sitting in the chair, that muscle is contracting. That's one of the first muscles that babies need to become aware of in order to learn to sit up and walk. But because we do these things all the time, we lose complete awareness. It's, it's away from our consciousness completely. It's, it's forgotten about it. And it's one of the most important muscles. It's the only muscle that crosses over from your lower body into your upper body. It links the two. It's the only one. And yet we are yeah. doing anything about it. <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? Like, mm. like you say, you know, you, you, all the different things that it connects to and all the different organs it's part of. And, and you're right, like it's our deepest core muscle. And how often do we talk about, you know, core strength? But how many people know that the psoas muscle? No, if I asked you where your abs were, you'd be able to tell me. But where's your psoas? You know, and actually, if you, if you were to peel back the layers of all of your muscles in your core and get right down, that's where your psoas is. Your psoas is your deepest core muscle. Um, and like you said, you know, it, it was, it's all about balance and stability. Like when babies are learning to walk, that's the, that's the muscle that has to find its tension and find its balance. And, and the way I often describe it to people, because it is quite hard to picture, is, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you go camping and you are used to putting up, you know, tent poles, back in the day when we had tent poles, yeah, I think yeah. it's the most <laughs> thing now. But if you were to put a tent pole up, you need guy ropes either side of that tent pole in order for that tent pole to stay upright, yeah? And if there's, you know, if the guy rope comes loose, that tent starts to fall over. And if you think of that tent pole as your spine, your guy ropes either side of your psoas muscles. So mm. they come from the, the top, narrow part of your, uh, in your thoracic spine, you're right, at the bottom of your ribs, at the back of your body. And they come down in a, a triangle shape, wide down to the hips at the front of your body. So it's also the only muscle that goes from back to front. It goes yeah, all the way right. through your core. Mm -hmm. If you think of what's in your core, you're, like you said, it's attached to your diaphragm, your kidneys, your digestive system, your spleen, your reproductive organs. It keeps your pelvis full balanced. So if there's anything going up with the psoas, it's going to possibly have an effect on all of these other elements of the body. So it's, yeah, you're right. It's, um, it, it attaches to so much and yet we don't know about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So what have you discovered? Obviously you've, you said, you know, you've met all these people, you went on workshops and retreats, read all these books. What were the answers that you found specifically to your symptoms? For example, you know, what was it that you thought, oh, Gosh, yeah, this is it. It makes, it makes sense now. I mean, you were saying you struggle with digesting your food and things like that. Did you have any other symptoms, you know, related to kidneys or immune systems or anything like that? What, what was yeah. most striking in everything that you've learned about? There was, I think there was so much going on in my body that, um, mm. 
there were so many things that ran through. I guess, I guess it explained the neck pain to begin with. Actually, so mm-hmm. I, I should say that I believe at this moment that my psoas had become so tight through all the cycling, the body pump, all the forward stuff that you were talking about. You know, I didn't do any back bends, anything. Mm-hmm. And I ran and I cycled and I did all of this forward bending stuff. And my psoas and my hips and my thighs had just got so tight that that day when I reached up to get something out of the uh, cupboard, my psoas just pinged uh, at the top of the T12 where it hits your, um, your, your uh, diaphragm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it pinged and I got, I believe I've got ligament damage there. And yeah. I now have a weakness in that structure mm-hmm. and so on. But it, the reason it happened because it was so tight. So that explains my neck and my back pain because the, the ligament had damaged at the top and therefore all those other muscles were trying to compensate and trying to keep me stable because the psoas wasn't doing its job. Yeah. So that's why I had all this other pain and, and neck and things like that. Um, I didn't know at the time, but I learned that the art of walking, so psoas is, like you said, is is a big part of walking. And when we walk, the, the psoas, the psoases, both of them, move mm-hmm. in the massage the digestive system. And because they run all the way through the digestive system, so as you're moving, you're, digest, you're, you're massaging your digestive system, and that's helping to digest your food. Mm-hmm. If your psoas isn't working properly, or it's incredibly tight, um, or on the other side, you, uh, on the other side of things, you have a weakness that I do. Yeah, you're not getting that massage. Your digestive system can be sluggish for that mm-hmm. reason. Um. I couldn't drink stimulants, so I after this initial episode, I'm, I used to be a big coffee addict. I really miss coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I used to drink three, four cups a day, a really strong coffee, you know, and think that that was, that was okay and mm-hmm. healthy. And then um, not long after I originally came out, I had a cup of coffee and ended up in A&E. Wow. Um, and, again, I'm not entirely sure exactly what part of... of uh, the caffeine stimulated that, but I should point out now that you've you've got this huge nerve bundle that goes around your psoas on the left hand side called your your nerve plexus, and it is this just it's like the spaghetti junction of nerves. It's almost mm. many nerves in that part uh, in the nerve plexus there than you do in your brain. So uh, and it's attached to your gut. So when you, um, you know, we often say, like, I felt punched in the stomach when somebody yeah. offends you. Or, oh, I've got butterflies because I feel nervous. All of that stuff that we feel, that emotional brain in our gut, is about this nerve plexus. Mm-hmm. And this nerve plexus wraps all around the psoas. So it's going to be twofold. If you've got a really tight psoas, that's going to affect your nervous system. If you have got stress, emotional trauma, um, depression, these things, if you, if your nervous system is stressed, it's going to impact your psoas. So it's like kind of chicken and the egg scenario, one affects the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recognize that a big part of my psoas being tight, yes, it was the exercise, but for whatever reason as well, it, it was mental stress. There was a lot of stress and trauma that I had just been going, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm strong. Yeah. I can deal with it. I can just carry on. You don't. You know, I'm strong, I'm cathlide, and I do body pump, and I, I, mm-hmm. you know, I do all this crazy stuff, that's who I am. And actually, a big part of the healing was saying, my nervous system is absolutely shot. 
it is absolutely wired. It cannot take any more toxic stuff. And mm-hmm. um, again, you're having coffee, you're feeling the toxins in your nervous system, and actually, yeah. my body was crying out to detox mm-hmm. in every way. Detox mentally, yeah. detox physically, mm-hmm. detox emotionally. And, and, and that's kind of what, what, what brought me to, to yoga. Um, I, mm-hmm. I realized when I, I got, a, I got a voucher at the time for a yoga class and I couldn't do any exercise. It's like my whole body was just shot. Um, and I got a voucher for hot yoga in Wimbledon and I thought, well, I'll give it a go. I might as well. I can't do anything else. And I did it. And, and a big part of that was when I started to feel healing. Partly because I was opening up the spine, yeah. I was doing back bend, I was yeah. opening up the hips. So physically, this was really helpful. But also, yoga, as you know, uh, is so good for just detoxing the crap we tell ourselves, you know, and just detoxing that those thought processes, and and starting to unpack some of your emotional baggage and actually deal with some of that. That was definitely the turning point um, to 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 the start of my healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why I now have a, a passion like you do for, for yoga, because I would take yoga any day over body pump now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and um, I like that, well, it's important that you bring up the stress and trauma, because as we said earlier, given the position and the role, anatomically and physically, of the psoas and helping us running and kicking. So when we feel stress or when our when we're picking up something in our environment that trigger us. So we've got this what we call it primitive part of the brain of the limbic system, the amygdala and the, the thalamus that detect. They just their role is just to constantly uh, scan the information that comes from your five senses. Uh, to detect any threats so automatically it just compares things with memories and things beliefs stuff that you have to decide right is it a threat or is it not if it's a threat then you've got that engagement in your nervous system and then start off that stress response and in that we that stress response when the sympathetic nervous system comes on so the ones that release adrenaline and all these hormones to, to get you ready to, to, to fight or to flight, then all the muscles that are engaged in that are going to start to tense up. And so what we don't realize with stress and chronic stress specifically, if you are chronically stressed or you have, you know, experienced trauma, your psoas is going to be chronically contracted in a state of contraction all the time. And that, over time, obviously, will lead to tight psoas as much as, you know, like you were doing for you. It was probably a mix of both, you know, it was that constant chronic stress that you said you felt over all those years before that. And then on top of that, on top of of already kind of contracted and tight psoas from the stress response, you added on the physical stuff. (laughs) All or nothing, all or nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And I yeah. think this is why also, you know, like that's happened to me in some of my classes as well, where I've done a lot of work on releasing the psoas. And then I've had people like busting into tears or feeling really yeah. angry afterwards, feeling anger and frustration. And so 
like you explained, like you said, you know, it really goes both ways where you've got, you know, your mind kind of filtering into your physical body there where you're feeling stress and that source is responding to that stress but contracting. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the opposite way as well where you're releasing that psoas and all of a sudden you feel that you feel that emotionally and in your mind when you're like, Why am I so angry or why am I crying all of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that for me is the beauty of it that you know, people say to me, So which one was it? Was it the stress or was it the physical exercise? I'm like, You can't separate them. I mm. never know which one it was. It can't have just be one or the other because we are these beings that are completely connected like that. Everything affects everything else. Your mind is affected yep. by your body and, and vice versa. So which one was it? I don't know. And actually, I'm past hearing because all I need to know is how to release. And you're right, yep. you know. I remember when I did camel, um, a camel posture in mm-hmm. yoga for the first time. You're on your knees, and it's a huge back bend, isn't it? It's a huge mm-hmm. heart mm-hmm. opener, and it opens yep. up that solar plexus at the front. And I burst into tears, just howled, and I was so embarrassed at the time. I was like, "What is? You know, I don't need to start yoga." Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, it. yeah. But what a beautiful thing, actually, as a yoga teacher, to, to see it, people have an emotion response when they have a physical release and if yep. you work in any kind of hands therapy like massage therapy they mm-hmm. see it as well you know you release tension yep. in the body and people you know people well up and cry or mm-hmm. like you say there's plenty of times i finish a yoga class and i think oh i should be nice and relaxed now and i'm raging about something and it's the exact same thing of, well, that anger mm-hmm. was in you, and you weren't yeah. aware of it. And now you're releasing that anger and that frustration. Um, yeah. it, it, brilliant. It's, it's just absolutely brilliant. But you're right, you don't have to approach it just from a, a counselling point of view. Yeah. So you've got depression, go counselling. Or, you know, it doesn't need to be that. Actually, that's why yoga is so beneficial, that it, it, it approaches it from a mind and a body. Perspective. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. It's a holistic approach, like we were mentioning earlier. It's just you can't just separate the things. It's just it's not body and a capsule and matter and in mind and in spirit or soul, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's yeah. it's it's all one and it's all intertwined. And yeah. the yogic philosophy is really good that way. And this is why I always like to approach classes and. And life in general through the lens of the five koshas, you know, the five subtle bodies, because it is this this thing that is intertwined and it's not separate. The physical, the energetic body, the emotional, the intellectual body, which are really more like your 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 values and beliefs, and then it's all that together that allows you to go to the fifth kosha, which is what they call the blessed body. Or if I'm looking into this from an art math coach point of view there's like those what we call the four domain of resilience and then where those four domains mix so the physical the emotional the intellectual and the spiritual where all these domains met this is where you have on the center the coherence so it is just i think for the east or the west there might be different ways of looking at it but we're all talking about the same thing but somehow we've just, we always focus so much on one thing and the other and just look at them in isolation rather than look at them yeah. like as a whole together as being part of, of one thing. 
And also you mentioned camel and, and opening the heart and opening the, the chest. And you've got to think as well, like human beings are the only animal in the world of the animal kingdom that walk on on our two feet, right? But our most vulnerable bits exposed all the time. So there's also that crunching, that fetal position, again, kind of rounding the shoulders to protect your heart, to protect your guts. You're bringing the, yourself, you're rounding your back and you're bringing, again, the psoas there just contracts to protect you, to bring the knees closer to your chest because you're rounding up your back because when we feel threatened, distressed or whatever, we do this automatically, we don't even realize. Whereas when you're confident when you're when you feel at ease and then you're going to be open then you're going to have that posture where you're just standing strong and tall your chest is is open your heart is open but how often does that happen i mean if you look you know like you could look at people in the street and you will see how many people are kind of hunched forward or they're just like they're protecting themselves and it's just yeah. only human beings do that <laughs> yeah what well, we were just saying before about our, our dogs and how unconditional they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, it, it's interesting that, um, so dogs have psoas, right? Like in the goes on all fours has psoas. And if you look at pictures of a dog's psoas, it hangs down, as you can imagine, from the hip. Mm. It's not tight back to the spine. It hangs down and actually that's the way we originally were, if you like, before we learned to stand up. And as soon as we learned to stand up, that psoas became tight. As soon as mm-hmm. we learned to be humans and stand up, that psoas became much tighter and it's much um, closer now to our spine and much tighter around our hips. So from the moment we started to learn to walk, our psoas has been contracted and that's had an effect on us, on us emotionally. And like you say, you know, um, the psoas will... will is part of that fight and flight. It's part of that parasympathetic nervous system. So the psoas pulls you into that fetal position. You know, if mm-hmm. you if you are scared, you pull yourself into that. Or if you've had trauma, if you're really upset, you've had a grief, when you cry, you pull yourself into that position and it's mm-hmm. us protecting ourselves. It's us nurturing yep. our vital organs because mm-hmm. we feel under attack. And um, the other part of the fight and flight is, you know, the the, 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 the flight, the running, so as is the one yeah. that contracts to make you run. Mm-hmm. Or you freeze, so as freezes, and you're not able to run or move because so as isn't moving. And, yeah. and how your so as responds is, is individual for each of us and different situations. Sometimes we freeze, sometimes we flight, sometimes we, um, whatever one I didn't say. <laughs> flight, flight. Mm. Um, and it's such a part of that intuitive part of, of, yeah, how we are as humans. And you're right, we are, especially the more that we sit now as well, we sit at computers more now, so we're becoming tighter, we're becoming more um, protected. And even if that is muscular, it's having an effect on our emotions. We're becoming more guarded, we're becoming more defensive, we're not as open to each other, we're not as connected to each other, because we are physically closing ourselves in more. So I guess it's probably become very clear now to everybody listening that... Having a healthy psoas is very important to your physical, emotional, and mental health. So, and what's an healthy psoas? Well, you don't want it too tight, or you don't want it too loose either. So, you know, how can we look after our psoas from like, a yogic point of view, for example? 
I don't know, you might come up with something else, but to me, I do like to to do like a cat-cow sequence. So you're on your old folds and you're pressing them out away and rounding the spine. You will contract that psoas then, so you're working it because you're bringing literally your your knees closer to your chest, although your knees are not actually moving because we're on the mat. You are contracting it without overdoing it, so you're kind of stimulating that psoas. And that's a good, probably a good exercise as well, just to to bring your awareness to the psoas and start to, yeah. to connect with it again and being conscious of it where it runs through. And then going into a cow where you're doing the opposite, kind of lifting the tailbone and head and dropping the belly button. So then you're really seeing really kind of letting that psoas stretch again. So, I mean, that's always a good one. And quite sometimes I'll, I may bring some movement to it as well. I kind of rock my hips a bit and just let my spine do whatever feels yeah. good. But what would be like your your go to pose or or exercise of movement yeah. that you like yeah. or maybe you practice that's helped you like bringing yourself back to hell you could yeah. share? I think for me the one thing that can is easy to do and can benefit everybody is something called constructive rest position. And constructive rest position is basically you lie on your back and try and lie on like the floor rather than a bed so that you've got a really solid um, foundation. So your body feels, you basically want your body to relax. It's and safe. Like, yeah. on a soft, if it's soft, that's why you've got a soft mattress. Your muscles are actually contracting more because they're mm. having mm-hmm. So lying on the floor, knees bent, feet flat on the floor. And you can really just ask yourself then what's comfortable. Some people find that quite hard and they need to actually bring their knees together. Mm-hmm. Fine. Arms by your sides, and you just lie still for ten to fifteen minutes. You're not trying to do anything. What this does, a bit like what you said, is um, it doesn't quite contract the psoas muscle, but it just takes a little bit of tension off of it. So the psoas muscle, I often say to people, is like a two-year-old child. If you try and force it to do something, it will scream the house down, right? It will scream back. So, um, like you say, in the cat cow, you can almost contract it and then release and contract it and then release. That's that's a really good way of of, of, of not engaging is the wrong word and connecting with the psoas. Because if you imagine it like a two-year-old child, right? If a two-year-old child is really unhappy and doesn't want to go out of the house, if you were like, you are coming out of the house and you take their hand and you drag them out, they are going to scream, right? They are just going to scream the house down. What you need to do with a two-year-old child is often kind of get alongside them, sit down and go, okay, no, what are you thinking? Or what are you feeling? Or what would you like to do? And, you know, maybe you'd like to wear different clothes to go out to the shop, mm-hmm. to go to the shop. And, and basically have that kind of empathy and that getting alongside it and working with rather than forcing. And yeah. that's what you're doing in kind of constructive rest. Mm-hmm. By bending your knees, you're helping to, to just kind of tune into that psoas. Um, you're not engaging it, but you're connecting it and you're allowing gravity to do its work. So by sitting, lying in, contra- in constructive rest, Gravity is allowing the psoas to come back into the spine, to come out of the hip, mm. back out of the hips and not being so tight. And it allows everything just to settle down. Mm. And the challenge in it is people find this really difficult because actually you're, 
just being asked to do nothing for 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, you think, oh, what happened to you this? What happened? No, you just need to lie there. Yeah. And honestly, when you get up from doing that, if you can lie in constructive rest for 10 to 15 minutes, when you get up, everything, your body feels better, your mind feels better, you can breathe deeper, you know, and... And anyone can do it. It doesn't matter if you're into yoga or not, mm-hmm. or whether you're a yeah. runner, or it does not matter who you are. You can be the unfittest person in the world, and you can, you can all land yeah. back in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is the knees bend and the feet flatten floor. Because if your legs are straight, you're actually putting more pressure on your lower back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my go to. If I'm on a day where like, well, I just don't want to do yoga today, or I don't have time, or just, just do a bit of constructive rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds amazing. So obviously, yoga has so many postures in it which work with psoas. Almost all of yeah. them work with psoas. So mm-hmm. a feel yoga class is one of the best things you can do for your psoas. Yeah. The right one. Not these, like, I mean, I'm into different yoga, as you know, but from a very intuitive, listen to your body, work with your body type of way, never forcing your body to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Agreed. I think we've covered quite a lot. <laughs> I know it's trying to shut me up, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, and I know you've done in the past workshop on the psoas, and I would love you to do another one. <laughs> I would love it to do with you. Um, so mm-hmm. I think maybe people can keep an eye on on emails and and stuff like that. Maybe something yeah. will come up in the I future. Feel like one for you if you have your yeah. friends and stuff I'll come and do a workshop for sure mm-hmm. um, that would be great if we could do that yeah, yeah. definitely right Kath yeah. thank you so much again for coming on to the podcast it was great right, yeah. I enjoyed this conversation as I always do yeah, <laughs> yeah it's always good, good to chat with you about yoga stuff you've got a very yeah. similar um, take to the whole the whole holistic health thing as I do so it's nice to, to meet with like-minded people and have a good This episode was sponsored by Yoga Legs. Yoga Legs is a small UK-based company run by two mums who make astounding leggings as well as harem pants and tops. I have over 10 pairs so I know what I'm talking about. And as a listener of the Nerd Yogi podcast, you get 20% off your order online. To get your discount code, go to clanyogis.com slash yogalegs. Yoga and double G for legs. This was the Nerd Yogi podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review or comment on your favorite platform. And if you would like to start your yoga journey today, head over to clanyogis.com and sign up to my free 30 day membership where you can get access to my free day yoga for stress relief program and over 15 yoga classes. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Namaste.